Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Philosophy Guys. So today's episode, as you might be able to tell from the title, we are going to discuss what we mean by that. Find truth, kill truth, and repeat. What does that mean? What does it mean regarding uh, to objective truth and subjective truth and your truth and just societal understandings of truth? Uh, before we dive in, you can check out the Patreon page that you can help support the show by getting the bonus episode feed, which one helps support the show, but you also get more content. You know, it's a win, win, win possibly. But also, if you don't want to do that, you can also just share with your friends, um, join the Discord, send me your feedback, you know, show me the love or don't. It's up to you. But yeah, you know, just appreciate you all listening to my ramblings and thoughts and and hopefully you find that you're getting something out of this because that that is the purpose of doing this it's for myself but also of course it's for others but yeah i want to keep the message today in the beginning episode short but let's get into it and let's enter the labyrinth Confusing endeavor, can't it? Do you ever wonder to yourself how much illusion is a healthy amount of illusion? Can I see through the illusion? Does does my mind desire to convince itself that it's seeing through the illusion all the while falling into comfortable fake realities, fake truths in the name of my truth? And I've been considering this idea of truth a lot lately. The current trend in our society, you know, the world of from from self-development, spirituality, and even amongst the kind of the younger generation is these these interesting ideas of truth, you know, we, we all seem to tell ourselves that we are striving for truth as though we desire it, as though we, we tell us, you know, yes, the things we learn in this world, truth matters to us, but does it, does it really matter to us? When, when I talk about the growing trend around, you know, interesting understanding of truth, consider this one, the idea of pursuing quote unquote, your truth. Okay. You know, what is that? We, we seem to just take that as a given. Whenever I hear that, it's a common trend to say, it, but what does that mean? Do we know what that means? How often do you hear online or in person, you know, don't be afraid to speak your truth. I agree. But in, in that pursuit, it's important to understand the conceptions of truth we have in the world, in the universe, in our understandings of what's going on. What do we agree upon? Where do we, where do we find them? How do we verify them? Should we evaluate some as better than others? You know, should we judge in a healthy manner other people's truths and maybe the the truths they're following are harmful to them? What metric are we using in our understanding of truth? Should you only care about your truth? Is that a selfish endeavor? Is that a selfish thing to do? Should you you care about the truths of others? Should you just worry about your own? 
These are, these are, I don't know. I don't have the answers for you. Honestly, I don't have the answers for myself, <laughs> let alone telling what other people to think about it. But it's the issue I want to dive in today. So first, let's consider where we as individuals pull truth from. I think in one case, we pull truth from, you know, the spiritual experience, which I, think, which I also think takes place in a realm of creativity and curiosity. You know, it sounds wonderful so far, right? You know, creativity and curiosity. What a wonderful place to pull truth from, right? This realm of create. I cannot pronounce words today. <laughs> this realm of, of creativity is a pursuit of knowing thyself, the workings of your mind, figuring out what it is that I believe or you believe and that we believe. The spiritual experience could also be said to hold the origin of my truth or your truth. But what else does this mean? It means it's based around something extremely subjective, based on the individual, which is where the spiritual experience becomes personal to the individual. It becomes their truth. What do we use in pursuit of that truth? Our consciousness or our, or our conscious experience to determine that truth? Some want to claim that the spiritual experience, that your truth is the only thing that really exists. But can we really assume that it's the only thing that exists? I don't know, maybe. I'd like to think, I mean, I don't don't even like to think, but probably not. We also seem to observe this very physical world that is intertwined with the conscious experience, intertwined with that understanding of your truth. Your perception of what is real within yourself is shaped by what is perceived as what is external. Whether you want to accept it or deny it. Okay, So that pursuit of your truth is essentially a pursuit of understanding your subjective reality, right? Reality and truth can probably be interchangeable here in this this situation. Your subjective reality is one that depends on the mind. So if I walk by a flower, I experience the beauty of a flower. My personal experience with that flower is one that is dependent on my mind, my truth. But on the flip side... You have a conception of objective reality or objective truth, which means that something is independent of my mind. An example of objective reality is, you know, when when the white, um, let's say the white sunlight, red, or you could say red, green, and blue, whatever, hits the petals, the petals absorb the blue light and reflect the red and green light. When these photons hit the color perceiving cones in my eyes, it produces what we call yellow. So assuming the flower perceived is is yellow in in this in this situation, right? But let's consider another example. Although the perception of a tree falling in the woods is only rendered when we when perceived by the mind, it doesn't necessarily mean the tree falling in the woods doesn't occur independently of the mind. So essentially, essentially, objective reality is likely here. But until it's rendered by our personal consciousness, our subjective experience. In a sense, it is formless. So our perception is that we are creating a reality. But really, it's likely we are giving a pre-existing reality a proper form. So it still exists externally of us. So how else could we back this up, though? Okay, so we, we can see that that alterations to the brain and, and the body alter the subjective and conscious experience, right? However, this doesn't necessarily mean consciousness is dependent on the brain. The brain 
does not necessarily produce the biome, but merely could channel it according to human practical requirements, right? And I've gone into that in other episodes. The point of me saying this in this episode is that the brain exists outside of our consciousness. We see a brain exists whether or not it has consciousness occupying it. We can observe things that seemingly lose lose consciousness, such as you know dead bodies and animals. So this would then make the brain necessary but not sufficient for human consciousness. Something is external, making the objective and subjective world very much intertwined, interconnected, unsplittable. It would cease being a clean-cut duality and form into more of a, a, a plurality. So, so can you see why this can become so confusing, this understanding of truth? We have this intertwinedness, that's, that's a word, of objective and subjective truth. But, that, but it makes it intertwined if we try to separate the two so seamlessly in binary. You know, sometimes I think our mind desires this simplified explanation of the human experience, of truth. It's my truth. That's what I would rely on. Nobody should tell me otherwise, by God, right? But do you want your truth or truth? Can we see the separation there? Can we see the difference? It's not just your truth. That's not all there is. It's just not. You see, the path to truth finds us traveling down a road of knowledge, an experience of sort, another form of truth, one that can be thrilling and pleasant or one that can be confusing and doubtful. So I want to explain why understanding this concept of your subjective truth and objective truth is so vital and important. Consider this famous story of the burning monk who in 1963 burned himself alive. And yes, he did this on purpose. It was a form of protest for how the Vietnamese government was treating Buddhists during that time. But for this episode, I want you to consider the quote by uh, David Halbertstam. (laughs) I hope I pronounced that name right. But anyway, he was a journalist at the time. He witnessed this moment in history. He said, flames were coming from a human being. His body was slowly withering and shivering, shivering up. His head blackening and charring. In the air was the smell of burning human flesh. Human beings burn surprisingly quickly. Behind me, I could hear the sobbing of the Vietnamese who are now gathering. I was too shocked to cry too confused to take notes or ask questions, too bewildered to even think. As he burned, he never moved a muscle, never uttered a sound, his outward composure in sharp contrast to the wailing people around him. Now, this this act of protest caught the entire world's attention, and long story short, eventually led to the oppressive South Vietnamese government leaders to be overthrown. But how can a man show no reaction to burning to death. It seems to defy all the laws of nature. Even in the first few seconds, mind you, he didn't, he didn't react. Because one could see the nervous, you know, one, so one could say in response of why the person didn't, why the monk didn't react was because the nervous system is quickly being destroyed, but no reaction at any point in time. That is the key I want to get across here because this is what I'm going to try to hope to connect this with this intertwinedness idea. You see, I bring up this event in history because it helps demonstrate this objective truth and subjective truth overlap. Everything we observe, say, say a forest, we call, we call that objective a forest. But we have a subjective overlap in the narrative we place into our mind from the experience of that forest. So I might call that experience of a forest beautiful or, or mysterious. 
That's my subjective insertion into that objective world, essentially. This causes me to create an emotional response to that experience in my memory, which that memory, that narrative I created, I'm going to constantly be pulling from that when I talk about force or think about force. It's going to be pulling from that, that established memory. My judgment of that objective force is being influenced by my subjective perception of that same objective forest, that same physical forest that extends externally of my, exists externally of my mind. Now, the monk was obviously a well-trained meditator that was likely able to control his subjective response to pain. His reflexes were under his control. You know, he, he was able to control his subjective reality by not flinching. When faced with the objective reality of his coming death in the name of dying for a cause he believed in, he had complete power and control over his world, his reality, or at least probably as much as a human can. He had complete control over his subjective reactions. I just think we need to be mindful of our understanding of truth and these distinctions that we need to hopefully, this is, this is my motivation too, this is where I'm kind of giving my opinion, is to just get a more accurate worldview and a more accurate understanding of ourselves by understanding the both, all these various types, these these basically two types of truths. So an objective truth is that, you know, let's say gravity pulls objects together. But people insert their subjective truths about pretty much any objective truth we have, you know, their beliefs. That shapes how they and we see the world. Remember, humans are not programmed for truth. We are programmed for survival. There are things beyond which our mind can experience. No matter how much meditation you do and psychedelics you take, there's something beyond us. I mean, we witness how objective truth is warped by subjective truth when we look at, say, flat earthers. They essentially hold the belief that it's 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 a government ploy, right? Something triggered their their inner perception of truth to not trust the world, words of scientists in the government to then say, okay, we're going to deny that the world is a sphere. Thus, they no longer believe the earth is a sphere because they don't trust the government. Their beliefs doesn't change the nature of what is objective truth. They can have that subjective belief. They can have that belief within themselves that is shaping how they see the world but it doesn't change the external existence of, of the earth being a sphere. That's one example of how our subjective truth can cloud our judgment. Yet, it's that subjective truth that really drives many of our actions. It's our belief system. It's the script we run on. What we desire, our passions, our beliefs, all things that alter how we operate in the world, we are constantly conditioning ourselves to see the world through the beliefs we hold within our own subjective realities. That's how people fall into conspiracy theories. They become so convinced by them, wanting to believe that it must be true, wanting to believe they found some new secret truth that others are just not seeing like they are. Maybe they are right. But could they also be fooling themselves? In the case of the monk, let's say, he trained himself to react in a certain way when faced with a reality that objectively would go on to end his life. He had trained himself to hold power over his world through mastery of his own inner world. He understood himself to the deepest parts of himself. He understood himself so thoroughly that he could control how he reacted to the external world. And he had one of the most memorable protests in history that ended up changing the world, changing what he desired. But why am I saying all of this? 
Well, I see the importance of finding the balance of taking in objective truth while maintaining a healthy level of your own inner subjective truth and an understanding of yourself. So I think we sometimes convince ourselves that no matter our mindset, no matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, we can reason through, find the objective truth, have this peer understanding of the world. But can we? The journey I'm trying to understand about myself is finding that balance of understanding myself and looking at the external world with a clear lens, one that wants to find those more accurate truths in order to ensure, you know, my perceptions of the world and what's happening is as clear as possible. My point is, we can push ourselves so far. We, you know, we, we, we can allow our understanding of our truth to go too far. One that is consumed by pure illusion. One that can be not only harmful toward yourself, but to others around you. But how, how do we do this? How do we, how, do, how do we base our subjective truth on a reality that is more accurate? Well, inevitably, it relies on us placing trust in certain people. We don't have the time in life to thoroughly vet everything we consume. All the information necessary, you know, take the vaccine for the coronavirus. Do I have the time to vet all the research being done about the vaccine? Nope, I do not. <laughs> so so I have to trust the scientists that say it's okay. You know, that's a choice I have to make. It's an evaluation I have to make based on my value structure, based on my belief structure. The same decision processing is being done when I go to the doctor, when I'm not feeling well, when I, when, I, when I consider the foods I'm going to eat, how much I sleep to, how much sleep to get, the things I consume, the books I read. You know, I have, some, I have to place trust in others. All of it is me partly relying on the words and advice of others to help guide my decisions. It's a collective effort here. It's a collective truth here, Right? But I think it's important for us to understand just how much beliefs we hold, those beliefs we hold on to shapes our judgment. Who we place our trust in can do the same thing. Our subconscious is powerful. Our subconscious helps guide those decisions on what information to trust and who to place our trust in. And I do hold the belief that understanding our mind, the workings of our mind, the beliefs and experiences that have shaped our subconscious are important for understanding that judgment and decision-making process, it's, it's so crucial, crucial. And this kind of brings me to the purpose of, you know, the title for this episode. Find truth, kill truth, repeat. This is targeting our own truths. I think the constant questioning of our understanding of our own truth is a necessary and continuous cycle of life. What am I consuming? What do I value? What do I believe? How is, how is that shaping my judgment? Why do I let this belief hold my actions? Why do I trust this person? Who should I place my trust in? Questions that often need to be asked, why? Because that is the stuff that is shaping your perception of the world. The questions that help us determine if we are creating a truly accurate reality for ourselves. If we don't seek truth, we stop questioning our own truth. We stop evolving the understanding of ourselves in turn. When we stop evaluating our truth with opinions that, you know, might be different from our own, we might find ourselves repeating a script that is simply false. And then we repeat it over and over and over and over again. It's part of the reason I say almost every episode, do not take my word for it. 
I love expressing my opinion. I love to think about this stuff. I love to evaluate what is what the you know the different ways I'm thinking about this, how that affects me, how it changes the way I look at the world. But don't take my word for it. Don't trust me. You do have to find your truth, but you also have to connect it with with a reality that is accurate as possible and place trust in things. You know, pursue stuff that goes against my words. Trust me, but don't trust me so much. Be open to my words, but don't be too open. It's it's just, it's, it's, it's this weird balance we must find in life. And it's difficult. I think I'll always be evaluating it. You know, our lives, our truth should always be, you know, at least slightly altering the scripts we are running on. We should be mindful of how much our scripts are influenced by how our minds have been altered. Say by taking stuff like psychedelics. That those change our scripts. They make us evaluate our scripts. But it alters the way we take in information as well. That's how we alter our truth. Who were we in the altered, altered mindset, for example? Who were we with? What was talked about? And, and, and who we're placing trust in? All of this can alter our perception of truth in those moments. And this happens in everyday life too. I'm just using psychedelics as an example because it's enhanced. But the same thing is happening in life. Same things. Stuff that you consume is not only altering what, you, what you're perceiving moment to moment, your very conscious existence, but it's also messing with your subconscious. This can be powerful in a good way, you know, in this case of psychedelics, for working through our own subconscious. Because in a sense, I do believe, you know, with the research we have out, psychedelics give us access to that subconscious. But it can sometimes be dangerous. As in, what are we sometimes replacing those scripts with when we get access to them? We need to understand the balance of things sometimes. Know thyself. In the same Principles should be applied in what we consume in our day-to-day, from the books and podcasts we consume to the people we surround ourselves with, the information we consume, the people we trust. Always should be evaluating. We should trust people, but you should always be evaluating why we're trusting those people. Find truth, kill truth, repeat. And maybe in the process, we can help create a peace within ourselves and maybe in the world. I think that's all something we're trying to strive for. Peace within ourselves and peace in the world, right? It seems, seems like a, a, a something to work towards, right? But I think that concludes my thoughts for today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I, as always, I appreciate you all for listening. But uh, it's time for you to get the fuck out of my lab right <laughs>